rare disease community is inspirational, brave, and empowering. Welcome to Insightful Moments, My Vibe, from PTC Therapeutics. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to PTC's Insightful Moments, My Vibe, where we're elevating the voices of people within the rare disease community to inspire, inform, and comfort. My name is Paula Orendash, and I'm the Patient Engagement Liaison at PTC Therapeutics. Recently, we attended the National PKU Alliance Challenge the Summit 2022 conference in Vancouver, where we spoke to many individuals affected by PKU. Today, we give them a platform to share their stories. PKU affects the body's ability to metabolize proteins. It requires a strict monitoring of diet, but has many other challenges and nuances for those diagnosed with PKU and their loved ones. We spoke with Linda, the youngest of four children, three of which have PKU, herself included. She tells us about how she struggled to explain PKU to peers and was often misunderstood when she was younger. Linda also shares insight on how access to medical nutrition has changed over time, in addition to difficult conversations she's had with family members, good and bad. So first of all, I want to welcome you to PTC's Insightful Moments, My Vibe. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So I would love for you to introduce yourself as yourself and tell us a little bit about you. My name is Linda Sywin. I am the youngest kids of four kids and three of which have PKU. So three of four children. Yes. Well, I would like for you to share with the community, people who do not know about PKU, how do you describe it and how do you tell someone who doesn't know anything about it? The first thing I tell them is it's a genetic disorder where the liver enzymes can't break down protein in the body and the protein goes into the brain. And how is it diagnosed? It's diagnosed with a heel prick, prick in the heel when the baby is born and that will determine whether or not they have PKU. Tell me from when you were, you know, a child to life now with PKU, how has things changed? The change is dramatic. When I was a little girl on PKU, we had didn't have PKU foods and stuff. We didn't have a few different kinds of formula. There was one kind of formula, and it tasted awful. And um, my mother used to take us in restaurants, and she would have to count out uh, French fries and green beans for me. When she ordered a salad, she just get a plate of lettuce, and that was all I was allowed to eat. And so going through school, kind of tell us a little bit about maybe some of the challenges that you may have had. School was really hard. At that time that I was going to school, there wasn't a lot of information about PKU. So a lot of people didn't know what it was. And I went through school being bullied. I being terrorized by other kids, being made fun of, 
People would, kids would spray themselves before they would come by me, afraid that they would get it that way. And over the years with the research of PKU, it's less stigmatizing to the person with PKU. So when you talk to someone and you say, I have PKU, how do you describe it to them? Generally, when I talk to a person that has PKU, they're really excited to talk to another person with PKU because it's rare. People with PKU is rare, and to find somebody that has PKU that you can bond with them because they know exactly what you're going through. And if you find somebody that's in my age bracket, there's a lot of things you can communicate with them. So you were in a family with three of you with PKU, so it might have been a little bit easier for the three of you to support one another? Yes and no. Neither one of my brothers were tested at birth. They didn't have the test done. My brothers are both older than me. In the state of Illinois, the test didn't start until after I was born. In fact, they didn't want to test me. So coming to this conference, it's been a big difference from when you were, you know, little to now seeing a national conference with so many families. When you talk to, tell me, first of all, how that feels. It's amazing. I've actually found several people that have been taken off a diet when they were younger, and they've had some of the same issues that I had, being off diet and then trying to go back on diet. And it was just really nice to know that there are other people actually out there that have the same issues that I do. And when you talk to some of the younger kids that are here, and if you have a conversation with someone who, you know, you you now having more experience with PKU, what are some of the things you tell them and what are some of the guidance you give them? I tell them not to give up because the things the things that have changed are so dramatic from when I was growing up. They have better formulas. They have better foods. They have PKU foods in general, which they didn't have when I was growing up. And I don't think there's anybody who has PKU that would not say that they have felt like giving up because the diet is so rigid. And it's hard for people to understand the diet. Because it's it's not like, it's been compared to a diabetic diet, and it's not even close. So can you give us a, a better understanding of the diet and what that looks like so people do have a better understanding? Uh, the PKU diet is basically low-pro food, formula, some medications, and... Um, it's so different from it's so it's more rigorous than the, the diabetic diet. So going from year to year at, con- at conferences and seeing all that is happening, all the different companies now who are putting out different foods and the research that's going on, how does that feel every time you go and see so many people supporting the PK? It's overwhelming. I, there's some things that I've saw that I've seen this year that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. Formula in the form of pills, home testing kits that aren't in trials but will be in trials eventually. I never thought I'd see that where my dietitian can get my levels today rather than waiting 
two weeks or more. It, it's it's so great. I'm just so excited about the research that everybody's doing for PKU. And that's one of the reasons why I would tell somebody that's younger than I am that's trying to do this, just hang tight. Things are changing rapidly for PKU. The more and more, more and more doctors are doing research. They're trying to find the gene for PKU that will someday, I hope, find a cure for PKU. And it just it excites me. It makes me happy and it makes me joyful that there are easier ways to deal with this than there was a long time ago. So you see the little ones here at the conference and um, the hope that you have for them. What are you looking to your future and, and what you are hoping for? For my future, I'm just kind of hoping that some of the things that I've seen that are coming out come out in my future so that I can participate in some of the things that are happening, like the testing kits and um, trying to recognize some of the issues that I have and how to best deal with them and to remind myself to be patient with myself. I think the hardest thing is when I do, the hardest thing for me is I get really impatient with myself. I don't allow myself to feel certain feelings and the feelings that I do feel, I feel sometimes like they're not the right feelings, but there's no right or wrong feelings with PKU. We did a, uh, we did a program yesterday. They did a program yesterday for people uh, mental health with people with PKU, which was wonderful because I recognized some of the symptoms that was there and learned how to deal with it a little better. So we've heard, you know, a lot of conversations about making sure that families understand. And so what are some of the, if you were to tell somebody or guide someone into trying to explain to a family member or a friend or a neighbor what you're experiencing and, and hoping that their reaction will be like what? Can you, can you kind of fill us in on that? I think the one thing about family members, even though they're very well-meaning and they want what's best for you, sometimes it comes out condescending. My sister is my favorite person, and I can go to my sister, even on my worst days, I can go to my sister and I can talk to her and... She talks me down a lot of times, but she doesn't understand how to help me. But I don't understand how to help me either. But now I do know how, and I can go home and I can say to my sister, this, this, and this is what's happening, and this is what I need help with. So that must feel so empowering. It is. It's very empowering. It's... I think the hardest thing sometimes with people with PKU is trying to describe to a family member what they want and what they need. It's, it's so dramatically hard. So it's great that you are taking this opportunity to share and to help other people in the community or even outside the PKU community understand and learn more. Is there anything that you would like to say that I may not have asked you about? 
I am very proud to be doing this because I believe that people who listen to podcasts, who have PKU, and people who don't have PKU, it's frustrating for both. It's a fighting, it's a fighting thing all the time. And people without PKU don't know what to say to people with PKU and, and vice versa. Um, sometimes it's hard to describe and explain feelings. And if I've helped one or if I've helped at least one, even one person with or without PKU understand what they need, it's, it's going to be great. Well, I think you did do that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that you came and sat with us and shared your story. Thank you for the opportunity to do this. Our last guest of the episode is Kendall. He's an adult with PKU who was born in 1966 at a time when only 14 U.S. states provided PKU newborn screening. He tells us how symptoms of PKU, such as hyperactivity, have come to be much better understood. Kendall also shares his experiences participating in clinical trials, in addition to how he coped with his search for normalcy and inclusion. Well, thank you so much for being a part of our PTC Insightful Moments, My Vibe. I would love to have you introduce yourself and tell us about you. My name is Kendall Temple. I am 55 years old and I have PKU, phenylketonuria. I was born in 1966 in the state of Maryland. At that time, the child newborn screening for PKU was only available in 14 states. And Maryland just happened to be one of those 14 states. So the dynamics of my birth were very interesting because um, back then my mom had her primary care physician to be her OGBYCFG, right? And so she had me and she normally took me home and um, she didn't do the newborn screening at that time. And uh, they had told her, oh, you got to come back to the hospital and, and have it done. I'm, I'm, excuse me, the health department. And apparently you had 14 days by law to have it done. And on that 14th day, the health department called her and said, you're in violation of law. You need to get there. And so my grandfather brought her up uh, to the place to have the test done, had it done. And so once it got processed, um, my mom got a call from her. Uh, primary care office saying, stop feeding him. You have to bring him immediately back into our office. And so when they did that, they told her, they told her to stop feeding me. Don't feed him again. And the health department sent a sheriff with lights and sirens coming and brought a can of lafinolac. That was the only formula at that time and told her, told her that it looked like I had tested positive for PKU. And so I did have PKU. And back then, there was no dietary foods, no special foods, no formulas. There's just one formula. So how PKU was to be handled at that time, no one knew. 
So I was actually uh, followed by Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, Maryland. I live in Baltimore, so uh, I'm outside of Baltimore in Maryland. And so they assigned us a registered nurse and a dietitian. And so they would come to our house once a week for at least the first year or so, and they would stick me, draw my blood, and they would tell my mom, okay, well, here's what you can feed him now. Because we didn't have any standards to, to go by, and, and um, even when you went in the grocery store, there wasn't the nutrition in information on the back. So you couldn't go, oh, there's this much protein and sugar and all that. It, what, it didn't exist. So everything had to be paid for and tested. So my mom had to write down everything that I ate every day, amount measured out and everything. So as I, you know, the first five years, I was very controlled. She wrote down everything. So normal dinner would be my formula. And then I would have um, a teaspoon of green beans and a tablespoon of beets. And that was my dinner. I believe the goal was to keep me about 15 milligrams of feed or protein a day. So that is a very small amount. And so they continued, the um, dietitian and the nurse continued to come to my house for until I started school, you know, it got less like weekly and then it went kind of monthly and kind of stayed like that. And I would go to Johns Hopkins to see my PKU doctor, Dr. Weber. He was new to the field at the time. So we kind of grew through the thing. And um, so the first five years were very controlled and my levels were very good. And the dietitian and the nurse would continue to come draw my blood and that sort of thing. So as I would go to school, I started, uh, of course, kindergarten. I failed. Well, I didn't really fail. I didn't do very well because I really struggled with, I was just crazy. Now, just very hyperactive because uh, some of the um, uh, foods that I could have were sugar, um, candies, and stuff like that. And so in I went to kindergarten not because I failed, just to, oh, we don't know how much he's retaining because they didn't know. We want them to go to to summer school. One of the problems that uh, I don't mind saying um, now that I'm older, but uh, because there wasn't very much fiber in my diet, I struggled with pooping my pants. So I got teased a lot for that in school, and that went on second grade probably, and get sent to the nurse. My mom had to come out to the school, and so because we didn't have the medical foods that we have today. Right. And this is why the getting coverage and that sort of thing for medical foods is so, so important now. When I was in elementary school and, and granted, I'm still on diet, having formula. And so they were. The nurses and, and the dietitian would come in and say, hey, listen, we hear that here's this product that we've tested this different types of food so he can have X amount. And that was going on each time over the years. So I'm very thankful for Hopkins and the dedicated people over the years that have been there. Um, but as I got older, I, it got to the point where I would go once a year or every six months. So it was very kind of, you kind of felt forgot about if I'm being honest that you really don't didn't really feel like I was being like, focused on me personally, my PKU, I would actually go to see a psychologist 
and he would do IQ test on me in the morning. And that was the routine. We'd get there, 839. I'd be in there for a couple hours, match the blocks, all those kind of things. And then he'd talk to my mom, and then we would go, we would go see the PKU doctor. And they would talk about my diet, and she would bring what I had been eating, that sort of thing. But when I hit elementary school, I was cheating very bad. And my mom, I look back and I think about how amazing she was over the years and the things that she sacrificed to get me where I am today. Um, she wanted my life as normal as possible. And so she, I always saw these kids going through the line. Mom, I want to do that. Buy, buy a lunch. That sounds really cool. And so she worked it out with the lunchroom that they would have a special tray off to the side with vegetable. I don't even know what was on there, but I do remember one thing. It was a sherbet ice cream. They called it a screwball. And at the end, there was a piece of gum at the bottom of it. And so over the years, I learned that I could trade that for anything I want. So I'd have four people and I'd take bids. Oh, you got potato chips. You got crackers. You got cookies. You got a hamburger. You win. And I would trade it and I would cheat that way. And um, in just in daily life, going and playing, a neighbor, uh, one of my friend's mother, oh, here, can you have a cookie? Oh, yeah. You know, and so I learned to manipulate and get what I wanted that way. So one of the things that we know that we know now is that people with PKU need to be on diet for life or be on some type of therapy to control their feet. And so education and uh, science has changed over the years. So back in the 70s, I guess, when I hit 11 years old, they took me totally off diet. Now, granted, I started cheating at six and eight, it got really bad where I really wasn't following very well at all. And one of the things they thought back then is that the brain fully developed by puberty. So around 12 or 13, well, the brain's fully developed. So let's take them off. We would take them off diet. I actually still have a, a booklet that, they, that uh, they brought to give to my mom uh, to explain PKU to my older sister. Now, you got to understand the dynamics of the family. I'm the baby. I'm getting all the attention. My sister is there, and she's trying to figure out why are all these people coming to the house, da, da, da. So in the book, it goes through, and it, and it talks about what PKU is and how it works and, and the enzyme and all that kind of stuff in a fun, colorful way. And the difference is, at the very end, it says, and it's about a little girl named Mary, and it says, and Mary one day will be able to eat like you once she's old enough, right? So that was the school of thought back then. And I actually still have that book. So with the changes, and um, we know now that um, the brain doesn't fully develop by then, that it's 20 to 25 when, it, when the brain reaches its fullest potential. And so that's why even as keeping teens and adolescents and middle school controlled through that time is really important. And so I got married very young, 20, yeah, about 20, and uh, had kids real quick. And so pretty much it was, oh, we'll see you in two years. And I, at that time, I ate everything, whatever I wanted, and I didn't really see it as an issue or a problem. And so years go by, 
and uh, graduated high school. Did all right. Um, the school of thought was, well, my dad had a construction company. He's going to go work construction. Don't even think about college with him, that sort of thing. And that's what I did for a while. Got married, had kids, life just going on. PKU and that sort of thing was out of my mind. And it was 1994. Um, Hopkins reaches out and they say, hey, we found out that you need to be on diet for life. And I kind of knew that, but it's over in the corner. I'm not even thinking about it. So the dietitian there met with me. She was amazing. And she talked to me and said, listen, hey, there's all these new companies. You know, there's, uh, you can have bread made. You can have this. It's, pre, it's already like all the, and, and this was in the beginning. Now there's not just one, but there's four or five different formulas. Here, you want to try this. And so I went to my very first PKU picnic. And it was a lot of vendors there of medical foods. And so I got to sample things. And I'm going, hmm, this is pretty good. I might be able to make this transition. Now, granted, I'm in my 20s, I guess. My mom's going, well, if they're telling you that, you probably ought to do it. So I started that process. And so working with the dietitian and insurance became a major issue. And, well, we figured out a plan of what I should buy and eat and all that. And I'm excited. I'm stuck. I'm going to do this. Life's going to get better. I tried eating as a vegetarian. Now, this is someone who's eats all high protein food. Now, all of a sudden you'd go from nothing all the way to just carrots and celery and that sort of thing. I was very malnutrition and um, very weak. I was working construction and stuff that I would just go wasn't happening. Like I couldn't put stuff together because I was so weak and guys would laugh at me and that sort of thing. And so I would be so hungry. I'd just eat something. You know, I, I got to cheat because I feel bad. And so I eventually just gave up. And um, so the PKU is out of my mind for a while. I had, I have four kids and my my wife at the time, I'm not, I'm remarried now, but um, we decided to move to Missouri because we had learned that they, they have better assistance with formula. And so here I am again, packed up my whole house, sold my house to go fix this PKU thing, get back on diet formula. Missouri's like, it's a different state. That's what I'm thinking. Either I didn't have the connections to do it or whatever, and that fell apart. And so a few years go back, we moved back to Maryland. And while we're in Missouri, my wife at the time got her nursing degree and ended up working at NIH in um, Bethesda, Maryland. And she was a research coordinator. And she was just thumbing through some research uh, projects, and she saw one on PKU. And uh, so I participated in that trial. And so on, on, uh, in September of 2013, I learned about the research, signed the paperwork and that sort of thing, but we really couldn't start because it's Christmas time. So January 15, 2014 was the first day. So why did I actually start that? There was a lot of neurological problems going on. At this time, I think I'm about 42 when I started the trial, I'm assuming. Yeah, about that. When I say neurological problems, I would talk 
and make no sense, couldn't focus, just kind of all over the place. And I didn't see it, but others could see it. Eventually, I started to see it, but um, and the musty smell started coming up. And so I know things were pretty bad. So going back for a second, when I went in 1994, um, they did my fee test. At that time, I was at 25. So, you know, a normal person's like zero to one, somewhere in there. Uh, people who have, um, who have PKU, they like two to six. Um, and I'm at 25, and this is a 94. So my wife was afraid. And so we found this. And um, I live in Maryland. And so the closest site was Camden, New Jersey, at Cooper Hospital. And so I started that journey. And so during that time, it was life-changing. And what I mean by that, a lot of things in my personal life changed through that process. I um, would go up there. It was once a week for a while and, um, you know, went through the whole titration process. And at that time, they only had 20 milligrams and 40 milligrams. So the process of how it worked was, um, you know, you're slowly introducing the medication. Your body's fighting against it and rejecting. And I had a lot of the side effects. I had my skin got real red. I had you know, where if you touch my back, oh my, you know, it was very sensitive and, um, cold like symptoms and that sort of thing. And, um, then they increased me and got to 40 and I stayed at 40 for about a year. And there was a time when they were like, you know, you've responded a little bit, you've dropped down into the, so you dropped down into the twenties. Cause when I started, my fee level was 38, which was extremely high. So there was a small little dip, and then I kind of stayed at that for a while. And they had gotten to the point where we're not sure if this is going to work for you. And the doctors actually were talking about taking me off. And I looked at them, and I said, I have nothing else. I want to keep going. And that would be one thing that I would want people to get as of that who have PKU is that it is your decision on how things go. And so it took over a year for me to respond. And I remember that day so vividly. Um, well, this day I walk in the office and everyone's grinning and smiling and they're happy and excited. I go, uh-oh, something's going on. He said, your fee dropped to zero. You're at zero. I'm like, oh, good. That's great. And didn't even think about it. Now, I drove myself up that day and on the way home. I drove down at 95 Interstate, and I go, wow, I'm normal. But got FDA approved, which is amazing. Now this whole new therapeutic thing opens up for people, especially who are adults who have struggled to maintain their diet or have just been off diet like myself. I was off diet, 11-year-old officially, cheating since six. So 45 years, really? of uncontrolledness that it was able to work for me. So for me, it's been a, a wonderful journey. And for me, just um, being more self-aware of who I am as a person, um, what I want out of life, 
first of all, I have to thank you so much for being so open and honest and it and just a beautiful, beautiful story. Thank you for being really a pioneer for a lot of the young folks who are here now, right? Your sacrifices as a young person, not understanding the disease very well, right? And and I am sure all those visits to Hopkins helped with information that is available now for the younger generation. In the reality for all the kids that have PKU, it's the moms. They are the superstars. So thank you for all of that. And most appreciate you sharing everything with us here today. To, to kind of conclude, tell me what your greatest hope, dream, and thought. I know that eventually they're going to find a cure. There's a lot of stuff out there that they're looking at. But my hope is why we're waiting for that in these new therapies that are, have already shown up, that we don't forget the mental health side, that we address the person that we get stuck on the science and the advocacy that we don't address the person that's dealing with PKU in the moment. How can I support them and understand that the way they're acting sometimes has nothing to do about how they feel about you, but it's neurological and that could be part of the reason why. Not to make excuses for behavior, but how can I support that person that People who are older, how can they support those who are younger? Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so, so much for being here. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Insightful Moments, My Vibe, and for supporting voices within the rare disease community. Thank you as well to everyone who shared their story on today's episode. Please visit our website at www.ptcinsightfulmoments.com for more stories and resources. If any of the stories resonated with you today, please let us know by leaving a review wherever you are listening or by sharing this show with a friend. I'm Paula Orandash, and this has been Insightful Moments, My Vibe from PTC Therapeutics.